was a kebab shop on the outskirts of the city. A strange place to have a kebab shop indeed, though it might have been the leather on it that gave it washy little sorts of suds and spuds the cavalier of the capers. As the letter come and wrote, double-versed and seemingly rehearsed the plains of the grasslands, spat out an alphabet not recently used by any of the citizens in the city, and not a moment too soon as the aster fiddles fell from the top of the fountain, down all four sides of the structure, and endured the city like a compass. As they reached the edges of the fountain, the water spilled over, milling the petals, not the slats of granite below, where they should have been able to slip under the cracks, and yet the splash jettisoning them too far away to be able to be of any use except splaying on the sidewalk. Clear as day, clear as day. Like a chatterbox humbling letterpress, strewn and so seemingly hopeless and regardless of such an imperfection could only make waste, only a passerby would call discarded the aster petals. Such it was that only the kinesthesia drones could handle them quite carefully. For many reasons, except it were all to be the tea leaf readers that would send them packing. Were it only dewdrops to be forgotten, the double verse became reversed and so felt rehearsed as it pulled apart, finger trap unfaded. Always, under the name of fissures and lead, while the twins of Cameroon practiced speaking together. I am sure there were many sets of twins, and while the invisible became plain to see, it were only marking that safety keep within the square, as the kebab shop sold fries, doused in vinegar, so hard you would think the twins had no taste buds at all, to be able to down them in only five minutes. But on there was hardly a ritz. Blue had on a crochet hat as a flyer flew, as if painstakingly strategizing a course near her face, which would bother her most as if to imply such words. She could hear it even in the sweetest tone. Don't you dare forget it. They would remark as if pleading to impart a wisdom they never got to see. She would slightly tip one hat and think to them, I certainly would be obliged to care for your recourse. The strange turning kebab were plain, the turning of the words within the body of the wool cyclops. A few of the workers took to swinging the device as if a soft pendulum as if to charm the kitchen while the guest log was low. Never once put on a show, it was not that they were wanting to read in the words, but a gallop them to know so closely what such a large and dangerous creature should hold. Of course, it seemed the kebab was only connected to the ceiling by a thread. Yet, such a heavy weight moving thus, never once broke the glass cases that made up the counters between the kitchen and the restaurant. Soft as the gliding of tape pin on the back of Marathon Runner, the vines in the city had nowhere upon the bridge to hold. It was only the embodied owl that was able to fly through the humid air in front of the greenhouse filled with old farming equipment. Its body, slightly polarized by having flown through the skin, it attracted machinery towards its body, having been so mechanized, 
The vines began to loosen all grip and begin to flow through the city like they were articulating each and every moment of harmonizing Silma, a story only the city itself could tell from the absence of Shiv. The little girl with black hair held her journal close to her heart, as if a Rosetta Stone could protect her when her soma was two locks and a buttonhole upon her skin. The cephalopod moved its limbs slowly as if suckers slither, curling around the buildings, always far enough away that none of the plants would even feel its soma as it moved, its large and bulbous head moving upward, skewering through the clouds as if to part them for the sunlight. It seemed to be directing towards plants as if to shore favor and endeavor. As each tentacle danced with the light, it became more clear the unique gestures it was utilizing to make its way across the city toward the grassland. A shelf with its art on it that refused to be forgotten inside an apartment complex. The little girl with black hair would never look directly at the cephalopod, though she would often follow its shadow on the ground. Noticing certain intersections, it would change course at, holding on to what small instances she could when at some other moment the embodied owl would drop one of its mechanized pieces, having dulled the charge of its body to the flat surface of newspaper. What could it be that would dry the river? The little girl with the black hair was the only one to notice what sort of use to the citizens would be needing to get. Every time blue regenerated in the city. After certain amounts of time, the excitement of those times would wear off and the sky would seem. Little and frail, the old roads would gleam with a sort of way line that could transmute blue poles collecting in small bundles beneath their feet. As she walked, ink would form from the pulses where they were close to the warmth of her. This might have been why she was so fascinated with the cephalopod. Often starting a conversation with another child, she would meet about the city. She was always talking to someone and never let anyone pick a fight when Blue was anywhere near. When the rafters of the apothecary were drumming, only a sliver of moonlight struck the inner beam, allowing for the grain of the wood to be delicate as the cool light of evening. As calm and clear as a night could be, plants would send a few bits of pulse into the city where they would collect upon the vines as they went their way, as way lines above, calling importance to those below which aligned in their wake. A group of bumblebees began to zip hymns, dashing through where someone meets wayline. Hurriedly, they scamper each pulling a perfect thread through. A needless eye, picking up the rhythm of fading tones, continuing their sound into silence with a simple gesture. Blue turns her cloak shut, slightly to the side. Tipping it just above her ear, a scans and happenstance occur, as often as a plight of soaring cranes. Unbundled and without climax, the unbridled air seems only to turn itself into a row of daisies, Soma, hurtling pollination. 
something to carry the moment into the next as if unseen by anyone looking into the mirrors upon the city street. Signal through the tides of citizens before the gates call through. If only there were an ice cream stand next to the kebab shop. A hawk calls as if frightened for her babes, and yet not one cast of fear at her call, but is more than her babes at stake, and she knows that, for only in her pleading call does the day remember there is more to do than celebrate. She does not stand near her home, only does she call where the aroid plants sit in catacombs of safe enclosures, something soft and endearing, so as even the scorching heat of the day rides in. There is shade for the pulse, part breath for a call. Where only the roots have air to call their own, she beckons as a lovely reminder of the heat of the day that has lost carrying over the pulses from the square toward the cobblestone roads. Sweeter, her pleading becomes like a whistle singing with a propensity of delight on that. The vine slowly went toward the skin, abject lines upon the side facing the grassland stick, picking up the images from the other side as they slowly move to outline their forms. Slowly and one by one they find themselves as the pulses gently bubble along, illuminating around each leaf as the embodied owl swoops through the skin, pulling the vines with them in their talons and scattering them upon the tree limb. Each vine slinking and sliding until they take root, a few wrapping around the trunks of the trees first, and even one or two making their way into the roots of the tree of proposal, clasping only which roots behold in the same soma, sending pulses below to refurbish it below with a refreshing sense of jubilance. It were only the call of the embodied owl, soulful, which would pull the sprightly energy toward a sense of his wisdom. The forest displacing an arch pulse through the very branch toward the city. A senseless yawning. Clearly, unlike a proposal, it split into multiple smaller pulses as it dispersed through the grasslands. As it caught up to the city, each pulse merged back into one, thus taking its time to garter toward the lantern. A low hum accompanying it as it approached the base of the pillar. Grishularia, sprouting along behind the pulse like a swan running its wings along the surface of the water as it swim. Pulses falling inward toward the square, cards falling from their edges as it collected inward by a great wind. A flower and pulse marking every attempt to singe upon the plane of the grasslands without even the slightest fingerprint involved in the making. Of course, it was not very interesting at all, each pulse dragging just a moment to etch a little petal through the way lines as they converge at the center of the square. As they merge, they turn a perfect blue. Filling every wayline with a blue pulse thin enough to softly illuminate every wayline through the city. Even while the roads and streets shifted, making it easy to navigate and more, placing a semblance in its truest position to turn where only a heart could establish its own integrity.
Only waving each wayline, shuddering as if a shiver running down the spine. The vertebral ocelot turning its neck, the cervical spine, placing down a last leaf which burned as if coated in phosphorus and lit like a night lamp. All of the seagulls leaning over the bridge on one side stare at their reflections in the water below as small origami boats filter the water as the pulses from the city slush along the mud where the water meets the bank. A few pulses sending themselves across the surface of the water as if to suss out the tide. A swirling cadence bending the light upon the surface of the water as only a pulse could bring this pronunciation upon itself. time.